we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. On the road with T-Mobile, the leader in 5G. Whether you're cruising through Nashville on I-40, heading down I-90 to Boston, or touring Santa Cruz on the 5, you'll be covered by the largest 5G network. T-Mobile covers the most interstate highway miles in America with 5G. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Most reliable according to independent third-party Umlaut from crowdsourced user experience data from January to July 2021. Fastest according to Open Signal Awards based on average speeds in USA. 5G user experience report July 2021. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. And I hope you enjoy this new show, whether you're viewing it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the episode. I do want to thank you for being part of my audience. You can also find links to videos or podcasts on MiamiGhostChronicles.com, as well as where you can submit your story about any eerie experiences you've had which I would love to hear about. Just go to the Submit Your Story tab. Please subscribe to our channel so that you receive notification of when we release a new show. And find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is where I usually live stream and where I give you a behind-the-scenes look at locations where new episodes are being filmed at. I also tell you about all the interesting guests that will be appearing soon on Stories of the Supernatural. I hope you enjoy the show, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? I'm doing very, very well. And of course, one of those reasons is that I have a guest that works in the field of the paranormal. His name is Logan Corelli, and he has over 17 years of experience investigating haunted locations across America. He holds a PhD in parapsychology as well as a doctorate in metaphysics from the University of Metaphysical Sciences. And he also holds a number of certifications in paranormal study. He's appeared on Animal Planet's The Haunted and the film Ghosts and Legends of Oklahoma. He's also been featured in newspaper and magazine feature stories. Uh, Logan regularly organizes paranormal conferences, conventions, and fundraisers to help educate and support the paranormal research community. He is also the author of the book, Haunted Heart of America. So how are you doing today, Logan? I'm great. I appreciate you uh, talking to me today. Oh, absolutely. It is my pleasure. My pleasure, totally. And... What I'm going to do, Logan, is I'm going to ask you what I ask all my guests at the beginning is, how did you get involved with the paranormal? Uh, did you have an experience as a child? Did something happen to you when you were an adult? How did that come about? Well, it actually first started when, when I was a child, and that was kind of the opening for the book. 
Um, and that was, you know, I kind of wanted my readers to get kind of familiar with what kind of pointed me in the right direction of, of investigating the paranormal. And like a lot of people, you know, the curiosity is always there and, you know, the excitement and, and wanting to discover the unknown and things sure. like that. So all of that was there. But um, I'd say my childhood experience probably pushed me the hardest towards uh, looking into uh, ghosts and spirits and, and stories. And, you know, I always found myself growing up uh, watching the TV shows and anything that had anything to do with the, the paranormal, the unknown, I was always really uh, interested in. But uh, no, the, uh, my childhood experience actually had happened when I was eight. And uh, my, my mother and uh, a family friend was coming back from vacation, uh, which we took regularly, our family vacation for the summer. Mm-hmm. And we had decided to we decided to stop at this uh, this lodge, um, this hotel that we had never stayed at before. And my mother thought it would be interesting to, to give it a try. And you know, she, she'd heard people that had stayed there before and whatever. Okay. And really, everything that kind of took place that night, uh, by the time you know that we had left, um, really was was traumatizing, especially for an eight year old who. Okay. knew absolutely nothing about the paranormal. So, you know, um, I, I, I found myself terrified and, and yet, you know, later on very curious as to, you know, what the cause of that was. Was it real? What was it? And, okay. you know, as I went through school and, and uh, became an adult, I decided that I was tired of wondering right. and uh, I wanted to go out and, and actually start uh, – finding answers and, and doing investigating and things like that. So um, I started officially okay. in uh, January of, of 2000, and mm-hmm. I've been going ever since. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I need to ask you, what was it? Because you made a very uh, significant description, which is was traumatic, which means it wasn't like, it sounds more than, oh, we heard a knock on the wall. You know, it sounds like it was something significant. What happened? It was very significant. Um, and kind of the way it started was I was the first person to have an experience. And um, I'll, I'll kind of go into that in a, in, into a second. Okay. And, uh, you know, my, my mother and her friend uh, both ended up, we all ended up having experiences together. And I don't know if I had my experience first just because I happened to be in that specific location or if I was being targeted or, you know, it, I, that I, I don't know. But what had happened was um, we, we went through and did the daily thing, the swimming and, you know, the activities and whatever. And we got to where the evening was coming around. We wanted to retire for the night and get in our room and whatever. And uh, I was kind of the errand boy. So anything that needed to be done, of course, they're going to send the kid, right? You're right. So they said, hey, um, our ice bucket is empty. Go, go down and get us some ice. So I didn't think anything about it, something I'd done numerous times. And, you know, you don't expect something, you know, that, that's going to happen to you or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, so I got in. I got the bucket, and I, I headed off down the hall. And uh, where we were, our room was um, on the other end of where the, the I had to walk. 
Right. So you were, in other words, it was a distance to go and get the ice. Oh, yeah. It was a long walk. Um, long walk down the hallway. It was over by the, uh, from what I remember, the uh, the stairs, stairwell door. And uh, I had to, you know, make that walk all the way back once I had got the ice. But once I had gotten the ice, I, I had turned and I had started to, to walk away. And something had got my attention to the point to where I had to turn back and look to see if somebody was there. And when I had turned back and looked, I, I didn't see someone standing in the hallway. The door was closed to the stairs and everything appeared normal. Mm-hmm. But I had noticed on the right, the wall, there, there was a, a shadow silhouette of a person oh. um, that was on the wall. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I, I refer to it as a man because, you know, it was very tall. Um, you could see, you know, features of a nose and, you know, legs and all of that stuff. And so, you know, I, I took a moment to kind of figure out what it was. I mean, at that time, it wasn't moving. It was just kind of like a shadow. And mm-hmm. I could see my own. And, and so, you know, uh, without, you know, taking a lot of time to, to really analyze the situation, I, I just decided I was going to turn around and walk back to the room. Okay. So I turn around and I start to walk back and I look over my shoulder and I notice the shadow starts walking. Okay. And this was after I had already taken a, you know, a few steps. So this oh. is now following me. Oh. And again, I, I see nobody in the hall with me. Um, and at this point, I know enough to where um, I know something's going on. This isn't right. This isn't normal. But my instinct said, you know, keep going. You know, try and ignore it, whatever. I start walking. I start walking a little faster. And it kind of starts getting a little faster. And eventually, I guess I had gotten so afraid that um, I started running. I just broke out and ran. And uh, I ran and I ran, which seemed like forever. And I got to uh, our door, and I, I just I threw the ice down on the floor, and the ice went everywhere. And I banged on the door, you know, help, let me in, let me in. Something's out here, and and wow. you know, <laughs> it seemed like an eternity of course, for my man. mother to come and to get to the door. So I remember I back up, and I see this coming down the hall, and I'm 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 back against the door. And I see this thing when it gets directly even with me and the door, it just disintegrates, just oh like my a god, of smoke, oh and it's gone. Uh... And um, I, I, I'm like, you know, shaking and stuff. And, and the door opens, and I fall into the doorway. And my mother's standing there, and she sees the ice, and she sees me, and she's, you know, what's going on? And she's looking out the hall, and you know, she's thinking someone's trying to right right you know and so i get in the hall and you know i i didn't bother with the ice i kind of collect myself and you know we're all in the room and it's safe and you know it's quiet and whatever and she says to me she says uh <clears throat> what happened and uh i was trying to explain to her you know i went and got the ice i saw this this what you know I, I thought it was a man and nobody was there and you know i'm telling her the story and you know she, she's kind of um 
playing it out as you know I I, I was scaring myself and uh, okay. maybe I saw something that just wasn't there and so she didn't put a lot of uh, you know uh, she didn't think it was really that big a deal at that point it was more and, like overactive you know, imagination on your part right I'm a kid what do I know, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so and you know at that time you know people just didn't have experiences like that uh, but I did. So, you know, I come in, I, I told her, I'm like, you go get the ice if you want the ice. I'm not going back down there. So, you know, she went and got the ice and then come back. And one of the things that I had remember, and I, I don't think I actually put this in the book, was when, when we were there, we had stayed on the fourth floor of the, of the, the building. And uh, the fifth floor above us, which was the top floor, was being renovated or it was under construction or they were doing work on it. Okay. So, you know, all during the day, we're hearing these, you know, bangs and saws and drills and, you know, all of those people, you know, up there working on, on the place. Okay. And uh, it didn't be a, a big deal to us. And, uh, but then, you know, it started getting evening. And she's kind of like, uh, we're going to be working up there. No, we don't want to be. You know, midnight, and they're still, you know, banging around or whatever. So, right. you know, she had called the desk, and she said, uh, you know, hey, um, you know, I'm not trying to not trying to cause a problem, but I'd like to know what time these guys are going to start stop working because, you know, are they, you know, they have a time, it's getting late. And, and the, the whoever was, was on the front desk had told my mother that, um, you know, look, they leave at 5 o'clock. You know, nobody does any work at night up there. Uh, they they leave and leave the site and whatever. So nobody's and, up there. And what time was and, it when she called? That they, in other words, that she was that you guys were still hearing construction work going on. Right, right. We were hearing the bangs and the knocks and the noises, which we had assumed was the construction workers. Right, right. So, so you know, they told her, "Look, nobody's there." She said, "Hey." You know, you may want to send some people up there because we're still hearing the noises. I don't know if they're working late or someone's messing with the stuff or whatever. Okay. So um, that kind of, you know, um, that that was over. She had called, and sometime later, um, she had called again, and she said, uh, you know, hey, I called about the noises upstairs. Did did you talk to the people or whatever? And from what she had told us. Um, the lady said, you know, ma'am, um, we sent our security personnel up there. Uh, it's, it's, no one's up there. It's dark. It's quiet. There's nothing. And she wow. said, well, you know, come into our room. It ain't quiet. You know, there's right. and things going on. So no one ever came to the room, and that was kind of like dropped. Mm-hmm. So a little later on, uh, you know, we, we start hearing knocks at the door. It was like three knocks. It's like knock, knock, knock. And, you know, the one other thing I remember about um, being there and even in the hall and on the floor was I never saw another guest on that floor. Oh. I never saw anybody go into the room. I never heard neighbors. I never heard um, – I never heard anybody – that would indicate there was another guest on the floor. There could have been. Maybe I just never saw them. But uh, I didn't remember anyone, you know, while we were staying there on the floor that I can remember. But we hear these knocks. So, you know, my mother was always really cautious. 
right. you know, and, and, you know, looking to see who it is, who is it, no answer, um, goes away. Well, you know, 10, 15 minutes, knock, 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 same series of knocks, you know, oh. and she looks out, she doesn't see anything, and this had happened a couple of times, and she even went as far as to, you know, change the door and open the door and look, hello, is someone out, you know, that type of thing, no answer, nobody, whatever. Right. So after it happens a series of times, she's convinced that it's a kid, you know, and she's like, you know, this has got to be some kid messing with us. Okay. Knocking and running off and whatever. And, you know, she's trying to rationalize, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. You know, mm-hmm. so, so I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to get behind the door and I'm going to scare them. The next time they knock on the door, I'm going to be waiting for them. So. Okay. She, she waits at the door, and sure enough, and, and the knocks were getting uh, closer in time. So, you okay. know, it was, say it was 15 minutes, then it was 10 minutes, then it was like five minutes. So it was get, getting a lot closer from, from okay. the knocks. And um, I remember the knocks came, as expected, and she flung open the door, and she got out, ah, you know, and nobody was there. Oh, my and I'm God. talking about... I'm talking about a series of seconds. Right. So even if someone was there, they didn't even have time to get in a room. Right. They didn't have time. I mean, you know, if someone had held the door open and, you know, they were right next door to us, mm-hmm. there was not enough time for someone to, to do that. So she's puzzled. And I remember she, she backed up into the door and it backed up into the room and she's got her hand on the door holding it open. Oh, what was that? And all of a sudden, while a hand is still on the door, bam, 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 what? right on the door while she's holding it. And she's screaming. You mean Ooh, she's wow. holding the door open? She's holding the door. Oh, God. Bang, not knock, not knock, bang, like with a fist. And, you know, she screams and she slams the door and she locks it and she gets her <laughs> she luggage and the, the chairs. And that pays the door, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, now we're trapped in here with whatever it is, and we can't go out. And, you know, um, we all kind of got, there was the three of us, okay. we kind of got together in a little puddle, and we backed up to uh, to where the beds were. And, and all of a sudden, the TV... We had a we had a small little TV with a with a turn knob, you know. Okay. Because this was this was back in the back in the eighties. They didn't. I mean, they had them. Right, right. The room we were in didn't have remotes and stuff like that. So it was a simple little television, and the TV kicked on on its own. Oh. And I remember the screen was bright red. There was no picture. There was oh no. God. It was just a bright red, and there was a man that was laughing. What? And it wasn't like it wasn't like a sinister, you know, ha 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 type of laugh. It was right. just like a man was laughing, like he oh was laughing God. at me. Oh, and my mother is like, "Oh my God, it's laughing!" And you know, she she was like, "You know, what do we do?" And because you know, now it's getting to the point to where um, it's it's you know we feel like it's dangerous or something. Sure. We don't know what's going on. So we go unplug the TV, right? Kill the power. Go up. Go up to unplug it. TV goes off. So 
we're sitting there, and we kind of take a step back into the room. And you remember how I told you those sounds were going on, the knocks, the bangs, right. all of that stuff? Well, after the, the TV event, it got very quiet um, and very still. And that was eerie in itself because, sure. you know, it was almost like anticipation for something, mm-hmm. but we didn't know what was going to happen next, and we're, we're barricaded in, in the room. You know, can't just, you know, leave. I uh-huh. guess did, but but uh, anyway, so we started hearing this this howling sound, and it was like uh, like wind. Oh my and, you know, it had picked up and picked up, and, you know, we, we this was in Oklahoma, so when we hear winds like that, you know, we think tornado. Right. You know, danger. And we had our, you know, the window was open, not open, but the blinds, we could see outside, no trees were moving, there, there was no, uh, nothing blowing around, but it was from within the room itself. So, uh... We uh, were were just confused as to what this is. Well, the wind had picked up so fierce that the actual glass from the window was shaking. What? It was like rattling. And, uh, you know, I I, I can't tell you exactly how long that lasted. I mean, to me, it seemed like forever, but I, I don't think it was really that long. And then stop. Right. Nothing. Everything is still in quiet again. Nothing's going on. And then probably the craziest thing out of all of that started to happen. And what had happened was there was a patch on that window that looked as if it was fogging up or oh. uh, someone was breathing on it. Oh, my okay? God. <laughs> Don't say that. And it, it's, a, it's a section of the window, okay, the weird thing about it is you could clearly see it was coming from outside. And you're up on a fourth floor. Nobody was outside. Right. <gasps> nobody was outside oh. the window. And we started seeing like these indentions in this uh, <sighs> in, in this fog. It would disappear and reappear. And I, I you know, I, I don't know if it was like fingers or hands or, you know, what it was. But we could see there was like these little indentions. And then... The whole thing that topped it off, we were all sitting there, and it came up and it said, you're dead. What? And we left. You're dead. And oh, God. we got the stuff, and we ran, and I, I have never checked out and left. Let me ask you, and, and uh, did, your, did your mom, I know you were a kid, did your mom ever get the feeling like these people knew what was going on, but were just like playing like, oh, we don't know? Well, I, I think really, I don't know so much she felt like they knew what was going on, but I think people had reported things before. Right. And maybe they just weren't telling nobody, maybe. Okay. Uh, you know, and, 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 you know, over the years, you know, when we had talked about that, she always, you know, had, you know, theories as to what it could have been and, you know, what it was, and but none of us really knew, and the person that was that was with us, you know, we don't talk to them anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, me and my mother still talk about that place, and you know, unfortunately, uh, it's been demolished since. But, oh, it uh, has. The place was yeah, demolished. I, oh, wow. I, yeah, I went there back in 2008, 
or six, no, seven, eight, whenever it was before it was tore down. And okay. I, I tried to get them to let me in there mm-hmm. because I said, look, you know, I, I could go into the whole event, but there's something that happened in there. And I, I'm not just convinced it was me. Right. And, you know, later on when I'm, when I'm meeting people and, and, and coworkers and colleagues and, and all these people, you know, I would tell that story. And, you know, some of them would say, you know, we stayed there before and we heard noises or oh. you know, we felt something uh, in, in certain areas or whatever. Okay. So I, I know it wasn't just us. I know that, you know, it wasn't like we brought something there or right, right, uh, right. You know, that type of a thing. But, uh, yeah, that, that kind of started a, a chain of reaction. And how old was the place? Did you ever find out how old it had been standing there? Well, I I don't know specifically. I, I tried to do some back research on it, right. and unfortunately, there's not a lot online that I could find. But I do know that uh, um, it's been there for a while because I had a some grandparents that had a, a wedding anniversary there. Okay. Um, you know, so I'd say it was there at least 50 years. Right. And a lot um, of things and, happen in places like that, you know. Yeah. And, and this place was, was close to a lake. Okay. And, you know, it was in, a, well, I was told it was in a native land. Okay. So everyone's always saying, oh, it could have been on a sacred burial ground or, or right. you know, it could have been this, it could have been that or whatever. And, you know, from what I had heard, um, they were tearing the building down to actually uh, build a casino on top of it. Okay. So um, I don't know if that's happened or not, but uh, it would be interesting to, oh, you know, absolutely. if they did. Absolutely. Yeah, you I get some weird things so, going on with no clue whatsoever, like where it came from. <laughs> oh, my God. Exactly, you know. Yeah, I can see why so, you said that you were traumatized. Um, I get it. Now I understand. Yeah, um, and and it was really weird because you know during the daytime when you know none of that stuff happened, right. and I I don't know if maybe we were put on that floor for a reason. Maybe no one else would ever stay on that floor. Right. That's uh, a, that's maybe a... there just wasn't enough guests. I I don't know, uh, and and I can't say for sure one way or the other. But uh, what I can tell you is that. Something was there, and something was really going on, and, uh, you know, it, it took me, you know, 10 years to want to go back there again, right. but I, I would have, you know, I would have gone back and, and you know, investigated it and, and see if I could, and, and that probably wouldn't have happened again, but um, I would like to, to uh, at least come away saying that, you know, there was something paranormal happening there. Right. Or that so, you did some type of research and you said, okay, you know, I found out whatever incident took place. Or, well, you also said that you already had some other people saying that they had some type of, um, they had heard noises. But it sounds like yeah. you, uh, when you were there with your mom, you guys got the full blast. It was like everything. Yeah. I, it, you know, the people that I had talked to um, about their experiences and, and what they experienced, it, it was never really frightening, you know. They mm-hmm. they always said that from what I could remember, you know, oh, we heard noises or we felt this or, you know, um, 
comparable to what we went through. But, uh, you know, they they had gone back, you know. It wasn't something that... Right, that stopped them from saying, man, we'll never go back there again. From, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, whether that was done to keep us from coming back, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I don't... We were never really disruptive or, uh, you know, we never did anything to, to, to really cause problems in the hotel. But you know uh, what? Sometimes it's so, all in the timing. You know that some people go and if the timing's all wrong, nothing happens, and then somebody's there at the right time, which it sounds like you guys were right as in right to witness this. Oh, we're, we were in the middle of a hurricane, <laughs> spiritual hurricane, you know. Um, and but, it doesn't sound like a residual. It sounded like an intelligent haunting. Oh, Absolutely. You know, I could only imagine if I had some kind of recording equipment going oh when that was going on. There's no telling what voices would have come through. Oh, sure. Um, or, or if we'd have stayed the night. I mean, I, you know, it could have escalated. I, mm-hmm. Maybe when we left, something else happened. I, you know, I, I can't say one way or the other for that. But uh, I know there was no way any of us was going to stay there. Not after it, you know, pretty much said we were dead. But let me so, tell you something. That part uh, where you're describing that this thing is pacing you and running after you from that ice machine, I went yeah. up, oh my god, that is got to be no wonder as a kid. What an experience! Right. So you know, you know at, at that age, there's still the monster in the closet, and right, you, know, you, you don't really know about uh, what the possibilities. Like, if that happened to me today, I'd probably run right for it. You know, right. Well, it's different. You know, uh, of course, you were a child and you weren't. It's not like you were going out there. You were just going to go get some ice and. Right. Innocence. Yeah. Right. Innocence. It's different when you're first of all, when you're an adult and number two, when you're doing it on purpose, hoping that you're going to stumble across something like this. And so you fast forward, you grow up here, you had this experience, which, by the way, what an experience. And what happened? You Absolutely. you joined a group, you formed your own group, or did you have another experience as an adult? Well, I, I didn't really form a group right away. When I when I first started um, going out and investigating, I was either by myself or with a friend, and okay. we were mainly doing like cemeteries and abandoned mm-hmm. places. And we, you know, back then here where we were. There wasn't a large network of uh, investigators and, and people that were really, uh, you know, working together and, and okay. you know, somewhere that you could mentor with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was I was on my own for, for a few years, and and then um, I slowed down a little bit. And then in uh, 2004, I, I met a colleague, and uh, he actually convinced me that, uh, you know, I needed to start a team and we needed to uh, kind of get more in depth with it and invest in some equipment and try to branch out and get into some of the places because, you know, um, there was a lot of stories around, you know, you say, I'm looking for ghosts or haunted right. places. And it was like, oh, well, I heard about this place and mm-hmm. this place. So there was always like the referrals, but no way that we knew how to really get into them at that time. So they were kind of like on the list, but mm-hmm. we just, we had just getting started, and so we got started, and we started going around, and uh, a couple of our uh, first investigations as a team is, is documented in the book. Um, 
we did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network, Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks. For several places and then um, I got hooked up with another group and that was when I probably had my most profound uh, adult experience that uh, absolutely a hundred percent convinced me that uh, this was legitimate um, I if I ever had any doubt right. uh, in my mind of the paranormal it went away um, you know, when I had uh, had this experience, and it was actually in a hospital, and it is documented in my book. Oh my God! So, of course, a hospital. Uh, there you go. God, those yeah. are hotbeds. More and than people realize. I when I saw that building for the first time, I I, I had chills and I was excited, and, and I told my colleague, I said, I am going to get into that building. I said, I don't know what I've got to do or when it's going to happen, but I'm going to get inside that building. Beautiful, huge, five-story hospital. And uh, about a year later, I, I did. And I was able to get in there. And uh, it became a, a long-term research site that I was involved with with a, a larger group of people. And it was like an every-weekend deal. Mm -hmm. And um, one time, <laughs> I had asked um, one of the people I was working with, you know, can uh, can you lock me in this building by myself? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. We'll just leave you in there and oh. we'll go you know, eat or something. Oh, and, you God. know, <laughs> thinking about it now, um, uh -huh. I, I was I was really wanting to, you know, kind of get to know the building. Okay. But um, I, I kind of got confronted by its most notorious residents. And... Um, I wasn't investigating, you know, it's not like I had all this equipment on me. I was walking through with a flashlight. I was just walking around to right. just explore. Yeah, you were exploring, and right. I was exploring, you know, and, and I made that very obvious when I would go floor to floor. Hi, I know you know, probably know who I am. I, I'm just here looking around, you know, hello, can you, know, can you make a noise, that kind of stuff. And uh, it wasn't scary. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like, like I said, I was going around and, and getting familiar, more familiar with the building. I right. Areas that I hadn't been in. And, um, it, it was really interesting to see all of the um, uh, different parts and, and rooms. And I didn't really think that much about it until I got up to the fourth floor. Oh, the fourth floor again? again. <laughs> the fourth floor. <laughs> 
I know. I know. Go ahead. I a pattern here. Uh-huh. So um, I got up, and in that hospital, that floor was utilized for uh, surgery and trauma and, oh. uh, you know, the critical. Uh. Everybody that died on that floor died up there. Yep. Yeah. That's what I was about to or say. in the mm-hmm. ER. Yes. Yeah. And they had a... Um, uh, sections uh, cut out where it was piled off where they did those operations and stuff, the operating room or whatever. And I'm really feeling good about uh, walking through and, and I stop and I'm looking down and I'm just talking, you know, hey, if anyone's here, make a noise, you know, do something. And I heard a noise and it was like right to my right in that operating room. Okay, I heard that, thank you, you know, and I'm still looking down and talking and I look up, and there's a woman standing uh, in the corner in front of me in the room. A woman? And, uh, oh, God. It was a, uh, the only way I can really describe it was, it was like a blurry, blurred image of a woman. I could okay. see it was a woman. I saw the long dark hair. Mm-hmm. I saw the long, what I perceived to be a long white dress. Okay. And standing there, and... I didn't know what to do. Because you know? I was about I, to I ask you, was she dressed in a hospital gown? or? But you I, said she had a long I, black dress. Okay. Well, I thought it was because that's what it, and I'll, I'll kind of touch on that in a minute. Okay. But uh, I, I, I I didn't know what to do, you know. I, I said, you know, hello. You know, I see you there. Um, I'm just here I'm walking around, and, you know, I'm kind of nervous just talking. And all of a sudden, this arm reaches up and it starts projecting towards me. And when I say projecting, I mean it's like it's like moving closer. It's not walking. Oh. It's just like coming closer. And I felt this like a tidal wave of, of, of apprehension and anger and fear. And I, I, it was like all the blood ran out of my body. And I just started backing up. And I said, look, <laughs> I, said, you know, I, I, I feel like I've upset you. And I, I'm sorry. I, I don't need to tell you. I'm, I'm going to go back the way I came. And, and I'm going to leave. And I so, turned around. And so what you're I describing is she's kind of gliding in a way is what you're saying. She's like going towards you, yeah. but not like with a walking motion, like it, a glide motion. No, it wasn't even a slide. It was like here, then there, then there. Oh. And, and, you know, almost like a, a oh teleporting, I guess, <laughs> how you would say it. And I spun around and I started walking because there's two stairwells on each floor, okay? Okay. One behind me and one in front of me. If I was in the one in front of me, was past her to get over to it. And I wasn't going to risk that. I, I was already too uncomfortable and, and uh, I wasn't doing that. So I turn around and I walk the rest of the way to the floor. I go in the door and I start going down the stairwell to the to the basement. That's how we that was the bottom floor first that we went uh, out to the ER. So about about the time I got to I'd say between the third and second floor approximately, I felt as if someone was riding on my shoulders. This this Almost like this presence. This, okay. This, um, it wasn't like a pressure, but you could sense something was there. And I felt, I, I had short hair, and I was wearing like a collared shirt, and I felt this, 
Oh, my cold God. Cold air. What? Oh cold air. It, it wasn't like Arctic, frigid, freezing air, but it was cold, and I, I'm, I could hear it was a woman. It was like a female breathing. Uh-huh. And I think to me that was just to say, don't stop, keep going. And that's exactly what I did. I did not stop. I didn't say anything. I didn't acknowledge it. I kept going all the way down until I got to that basement door, and bam, went right out into the basement. And the door slammed behind me, and I stood there, and I had to catch my breath. And I said, what am I doing? <laughs> I said, you know, that that was That'll probably never happen again. I I need to go back up there. Oh, that only lasted a few seconds. I, I convinced myself that wasn't going to happen. So I said, "Well, okay, I'll, I'll just, I'll just, uh, I'll go back out. I'm I'm not going to do anything else." So I turned and I started walking toward uh, the exit, which is down by the emergency room. And I heard a voice, and it said, "Come here." What did it say? And they said, come here, come here. Oh, crap. Just like that. Oh. And so I turned, and the voice was coming from the other hall that was, because, you know, the building's kind of L-shaped. So you've uh-huh. got the main long hallway, and you've got the side hallway. Right. Well, in the basement, in the basement, that side hallway was the morgue. And that's where they did the autopsies and all of right. that stuff was on that side hallway. And so, you know, I thought... Well, wait a minute. Maybe I'm hearing contamination from outside because, okay. you know, if, if people were in the parking lot, you could hear cars, you could hear talking, okay. you know, because people talked normal. And so I'm thinking, I'm just hearing something outside, and you know, I heard it again. And it, it didn't say, come here. It said, come here, come here. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I, I need to look. So I got my light all the way down to uh, – the hallway, I turned the corner, I went down. Now, keep in mind, uh, the, 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 the rooms are empty, so there's no closets to hide in. There's no places where somebody could not be seen. Okay. Uh, all the doors were open. I didn't have to actually, you know, go indoors or anything like that. The only thing that people could even remotely come close to hiding was um, like a shelf type thing, and people couldn't fit in them because they were drawers. Okay. So um, I established that nobody was there, and uh, I was like, I had to be hearing something. Maybe it was something else. So I got back into the hallway. Well, I heard it again, and it was here, it was coming from the ER side of the building. So I'm going, oh, well, maybe it was coming from there. So I did the same thing. I did my my walk. I checked the rooms. I went down to the end. No, you know, nobody was there. Nothing was there. Then I would hear it back there, and I'd go back there, and I just made these rounds. And I, after a while, I, I just got so frustrated, and, and I knew what was going on, you know. And I just, I let out this this loud sigh, just this, you know, and I heard this. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. And, oh my and I God. said, I'm done. Uh, I'm done. I'm done. And I went to the door and I banged on the door and I got out of that building. So that happened. Months later, my my colleagues that I worked with there, we, we later became uh, group colleagues and 
we did a lot of things together. Hey, we were talking about uh, images and pictures and things that had been captured because it had a um, 24-hour multi-webcam that you could go online and view at any time. Okay. And you could see what was going on. It even had audio hooked up that you could uh, listen to or whatever. And uh, so, um, he, and he said, you know, I got some pictures and different things. And, you know, a few other people had sent in because they would watch these all of the time. And, you know, they'd say, oh, this looks like a face and this looks like a hand or whatever. And they would kind of serve. You know, you kind of see some of that stuff in there, maybe, possibly. But he uh, he showed me a couple of pictures, and he said this was probably some of the best ones that we ever caught. And what it was was um, it was a picture on the second floor, and you could kind of see the the my colleagues were kind of in the background walking, so they were kind of blurry. But uh-huh. right beside them, there was a perfectly good image of a woman with long dark hair in a hospital gown. You could see, like, the back. You could see, like, everything. And and I did not tell them about my experience there. So um, when I saw that, um, I was really – that was like confirmation for me. Right. I was about to say this uh, is – I – that was almost as as shaky for me as the experience. Uh, And then he showed me another picture, which was in the basement that had a – it was an infrared camera, but again, you can see this woman in what looks like a dress uh, standing next to them, and uh, that's apparently what she would do. She would just watch people, the, like the voyeur, you know. And when you saw and, her that uh, first time up on the fourth floor, what was it, uh, an operating room or was it a regular room? I mean, even though it sounds like she went all over the place. Yeah, well, I saw her at the end of the hallway. Okay. It was like against the back wall. Okay. But I was next, I was in, I was right in front of the operating room it was to my right okay so um i'd say she was probably and i'm not good with distance but i'd say she was a good 25 feet in front of me when i first at saw her because i was almost at the end of the hall and uh because like i said i was just i was just wandering around i didn't even make it to the fifth floor not that night so uh and i didn't want to i I really didn't kind of want to go back in when we did our group thing, but I'm like, you know what? I'm in a group and I have to worry about it. And, and of course nothing happened. At yeah. least nothing like that. So, no, that's pretty um, significant. <laughs> pretty. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there was, there was another photo that was, that was taken. Uh, it was of a, a, like a shadow apparition that was really impressive. And I really wanted to put those pictures in the book to show the readers exactly what I had seen. Okay. And unfortunately, the quality was too low, and they, they couldn't right, see them. Could, but I still have those pictures, and I saw people, and uh, they they were really shocked when they saw them. How long had so, the hospital uh, been closed by the time that you were able to get in there? Uh, from what I dug up, it closed in 1978. Oh, that long? Yes, oh, okay. it was in the mid. It's in the middle of a residential neighborhood. It like takes up a whole block. Okay. There, so literally all around it, houses. So this thing had been it's, standing it's there pretty, empty for a really long time, then. Oh yeah, absolutely, oh. absolutely. And and I had talked to uh, people 
that uh, uh, actually worked in the hospital, and I talked to a woman who was born there, oh. and she told me not only did her father know that the place was haunted, he personally knew the spirit of the woman, he knew the woman really? that uh, supposedly had haunted it. But I never really got that information you know, to, to validate that. And, you know, I've had some, some psychics come in, and one psychic told me that um, this woman was very aggressive. She died in childbirth, and uh, her child was taken away, and she's, you know, she's very territorial. And I'm thinking, no kidding. Uh-huh. <laughs> but, uh, and again, I don't know if any of that's true or not. But, right, 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 uh, right. That was what she had, that was what she had picked up on. And uh, that was just like, that was just like the most extreme experience. That place was uh, the the best site for paranormal activity that I'd ever seen. I, I saw things it. there manifest uh, that I've never seen anywhere. For a lot of really big, well known, you know, haunted locations all over the country, um, but that place it was like it never, you know. <laughs> never let you down and it's still is it still standing abandoned now or did they ever do anything with it well the last time i saw it it was abandoned um Mm -hmm. i had a couple people tell me they were going to renovate it turn it into like a senior center or something i don't know i don't know if that's true but uh yeah it's been sitting there for years It it was uh the beautiful building so that is um, and but you know what hospitals in and of themselves I think it's just because a lot of people sometimes they transition to death without realizing it either let's say they came in from some type of trauma they're unconscious or they're sedated or either because they're getting operated on or because they have some type of really heavy pain medication where they kind of lose that moment of transition so I know that hospitals are infamous for having a lot of discarnates that sometimes are walking around going, what happened? Yeah. Right. And, you know, plus two, I mean, you know, some of them pass very quickly mm-hmm. and I don't think that really has time to register, right. you know, what's going on. And I think it's worse with the insane because they can't understand really, you know, what is, what is going on. And, I, right. and I've had some run-ins with that too. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the the one thing that, that we do when we go out is, is one of the top things we do, I guess, is, you know, try and establish that communication barrier. So, sure. um, you know, it does it always work? No. Hmm. Um, but I think it's essential that, uh, you know, if we're going to try and get any type of uh, interaction, cooperation, um, I, I think that's one of the more important things. You know, right. that they, we kind of know, they know why we're there and what we're doing. And uh, we, we don't mean to uh, impose, which um, <laughs> definitely was the case uh, with me there in the hospital at that time, mm-hmm. or so I felt. But, um, but yeah, so after that, it's just been, uh, you know, foot to the gas and been kind of going all over the place. Right, and I don't know about so, I don't know if Logan if you yeah if you've come across this you know sometimes you have two types one and we were talking intelligent hauntings you'll have the ones that they're anxious to communicate or if if you have a sensitive or somebody they can connect with they want to reach out like and say their story or find out what happened or 
hey, you know, where do I go now? And then you have the other ones that the last thing they want is contact. They make themselves scarce. It's almost like they kind of know or they think, right. what if I'm told that I got to get out of here? So they kind of like, those right. are the ones that sometimes you find either up in attics or cellars or basements or that unused room because they're really not keen on communicating or in other words, the letting the cat out of the bag that they're there. Right. And you know, I think a lot of that too has to do with the individual. Yes. Um, you know, some a lot of times people are frightened by spiritual activity and they're like, Leave me alone and you know, don't bother me and go away and so they don't really get a lot of people saying, Hey, come talk to me, come interact with me, you know. Sure. Uh, who are you? I'm curious, whatever. And then I think part of it too is like the people uh, before they had passed. I think a lot of their uh, personality goes along with them in the afterlife. Oh, sure. You have people that are born shut-ins, and maybe they're you know they have a fear of people or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're they're going to stay away. Yes. So um, I I think it goes into you know a lot of different factors, but. Uh, um, you know, every case is different. So, you know, we always try and reach out, though, as, as best we can. And, you know, it's harder that I've seen kind of in my experience with, like, younger children mm-hmm. um, that um, we really kind of get that interaction, especially in a group, because I think that when we're in a group of three or four or five, it's kind of intimidating. So a lot right. of the times I'll kind of break people up or I'll go by myself or with one other person or whoever. And, right. Um, it tends to work, you know, because it's, it's not as intimidating. And, exactly. you know, a lot of it has to do with how you talk, too. So, um, you know, if, if you're yelling. Oh, no, I'm not. I don't, before, I, I don't think like, that that provocation or that I don't think that's a good idea. Well, even just as a general tone, I'm like telling them, look, they're dead. They're not deaf. You know, you can talk normal and they'll hear you. And people are like, who's here with us? You know, and I'm like, just, you know, that's, that's kind of, of a frightening, you know, approach for some people. Um, but um, like I said, it's, it's, it's different for everybody. And, and a lot of it has to do with where you are, too. So, and the people that's been there before you. Because uh, a lot of times, if people go in and provoke an anger, um, that that's gonna that's gonna keep them at bay for a while. You know, they're not gonna be as willing yeah. to come out because who's to say we're not gonna insult them and and you know make them do things or whatever. Oh, absolutely. So I, I always try to be respectful and say, you know, I'm not demanding you do anything. I'm just asking if if you're not comfortable, that's fine understand um you know we have multiple ways to communicate with you and there's been times where i've caught evp where um you know i didn't have a lot of 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 activity up front hi everybody Uh, i apologize i had to cut the interview short i got this super important phone call i've got my mom in hospice and uh she was we're taking her from one place to the other and one of those things that you can't control the timing on and luckily I was able to get the bulk of the interview with Logan he was very gracious and I told him look I have to stop the um, I have to stop the interview right now I, I need to take this phone call 
Um, so again, guys, I apologize, but it's one of those things you cannot help. And anyway, getting back to the interview, <laughs> let me tell you something. That well, both experiences, the one that he had as a kid, forget it. That's like, what? <laughs> I would have told my mom, I'm going to go sleep in the car. Okay, that's incredible. That story in and of itself is like, what? And then the other one that he had, which I'm sure or along the way, you know, he's had experiences, but that one where he goes looking for the tiger's tail and he found it when he comes across this lady who apparently had been sighted by other people. So she's, and that, come here. I'm telling you, I've been on dozens and dozens of investigations over the year. And there's some, like I said, that are just, they end up, for lack of a better word, being boring because nothing happens. And maybe you'll catch an EVP in the background, but nothing as significant as actually seeing something or much less actually hearing something with your ears. Especially something that's saying, come here. Okay, yeah, see, that's the part where if you're a group, everybody decides to regroup out in the party lot. <laughs> I mean, tell you something, hats off to you, Logan. I mean, uh, you're very brave. And by this, I say, this is a lot of the times that, you know, when you are paranormal investigation, it's obvious that's what you're going in there for. You're hoping to have that or capture that moment. But don't get me wrong, when you do come across something like that, where you see a full body apparition with a something that follows you down what four floors and then you hear whispering I'm telling you that see that that right there that's the uh that's the 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 pink unicorn of paranormal investigations okay that is what everybody hopes for but when you get it it's like who told me I really wanted this? Only kidding. It is. It's exciting, but it's scary. Okay? And don't let anybody tell you differently. Because it is. It does make you catch your breath. Uh, despite what you know or understand about the paranormal or prior experiences. Uh, again, and there's different feelings. Sometimes you have encounters with certain entities that they're scary in the sense of, let's face it, you're looking at something that used to be a once living human being. Uh, but there's a different feeling. You know, they, they want to communicate and you want to communicate and, you know, you want to. And there, see, my dogs are doing their weird thing. And then there's others that when you come across them, they give off a different feeling. And I'm not going to go so far as to say malevolent. But it's almost what I call matter, meaning antimatter. Like there's something, you know, your your spidey sense is telling you, be careful, be careful, be careful. Okay? And it could be for different reasons. It could be a dark force entity. It could be a human entity that's just nasty uh, or has unfinished business. It could be a, a human spirit of somebody that was insane. Okay? Because... Contrary to what a lot of people think, yes, if you have some type of ailment, you know, disease or mental illness or whatever, and you die and you go on into where you're supposed to, 
you get fixed you're good and you'll have a lot of people that'll say when their loved ones have passed on that they had a disease or an illness that they come back and they see them they're good but when that happens and you don't go all the way through and you're stuck in that in-between place well then guess what you still I would say more than 80% of the time still carry what was wrong with you that's like why sometimes you see certain uh, evidence of this person whether they'll still look gaunt or they'll still look sickly uh, or in the case of what I'm describing where you're running across a person that's diseased deceased that in life they had a severe mental illness and that's what I'm saying that when you come across apparitions like this or intelligent hauntings that your spidey sense is telling you okay be careful be careful be careful because sometimes what they want to do is they want to jump you they want to jump into you they want to take over um, that's why I'm saying that don't let any paranormal investigator I don't care how many times you've been out to say that nothing scares them they're lying they're lying okay all you do know how to learn how to do is to hold your ground or in some cases believe it or not retreat if there's something and by this I'm not telling you that initial let me get out of here feeling that everybody comes across where you feel uh, right now I'm in imminent danger and I can't put my finger on it but I feel like that if I stay here something bad is gonna happen and you know without letting your imagination and, and like I said once you do this for a while you kind of you really know how to differentiate between the feelings of I'm just scared because I'm in a dark creepy spooky place that maybe has been abandoned like this hospital since 1978 versus there's something here that I might see or I might feel or I sense around me that doesn't wish me well and maybe either I need to go find somebody else that's with me if you're alone which I I don't recommend I don't recommend that he did it but I really don't recommend anybody for various reasons besides the fact of which you might come across sometimes you want some of these places that have been abandoned things can happen to you you can have an accent never a good thing to go alone but uh, yeah but uh, those were excellent stories so I, that book if he's got that stuff in there it's got definitely to be worth reading so guys thank you so very much for being part of my audience again my true believers go to miamigoschronicles.com go to submit your story tab and let me hear what you've got to talk about catch me on Facebook Instagram Twitter I go ahead and I live stream on there and if you're catching the show on a podcast which you can find us on iTunes iHeartRadio Spreaker Stitcher podcast Podbean uh, or again you can go to our website MiamiGhostChronicles.com you'll find the link to the YouTube show or you can actually find a link to the podcast mp3 file that you can download and again I've said this before and I'll say it again uh, sometimes it's just easier to download the mp3 file and listen to it when you can or whatever it's just sometimes we just uh, have very uh, what's the word I'm looking for uh, quick paced life and this is the best way to listen to things so again guys thank you so much 
You're all wonderful. And like I said before, I've got some fantastic guests coming on, and I know you're all going to enjoy it. Take care. Annie had an earache on a Saturday of all days. So her mom brought her to Minute Clinic at CVS, where you can see a provider, fill a prescription, and grab essentials like pain relief products, all in one visit. Even on evenings and weekends, you can even see us online with telehealth options. For quality, affordable care on your schedule, visit Minute Clinic at CVS. That's healthier made easier. Services vary by location. See MinuteClinic.com for details. We did it again. Verizon was just named America's most reliable network by Root Metrics for the 16th time in a row, proving once again that nobody builds networks like Verizon builds networks. That's why we're building 5G right. That's why there's only one best network Verizon. Best and most reliable based on Root Metrics reports from second half 2013 to first half 2021 of three operators on all network types combined, not specific to 5G networks.